tonight will um, help illustrate one of the reasons why when people, as they are doing more and more, ask me, what are we doing on Tuesday? What are we doing tonight? <laughs> All right, will illustrate why very often, in fact, usually I'm very reluctant to say quite what it is that we're doing. And the reason is because at the end of the day, I never actually know until the last minute. Now, tonight, I, I've come here, uh, you know, with the full intention and my notes are there of doing a talk that I know it's right to do. It's a burden from the Lord and it's a talk that we are definitely 100% going to do. But in the last 20 minutes, I've realised that that's not for tonight. I thought it was. Something else is for tonight, a, another burden that I've got, and tonight is the night for it. But I didn't know that until 20 minutes ago, all right? So, so that, that helps to... I mean, yeah, there are times when we say, you know, like, yeah, it's going to be a question time. Or even when we're doing series, at any time, it can still be interrupted, you know, for anything, you know, that the Lord comes up with that, uh, you know, I didn't know about until the last moment, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's a good illustration of why it is when people say what a, it's funny actually because Belinda just driving here she said what is it tonight and I said well you'll find out tonight won't you <laughs> and it's not that I'm trying to be funny or clever or anything like that at all it's just that at the end at the end of the day I do not know for sure until I actually get up here and start so tonight if you um just go to Hebrews chapter 4 <coughs> read um, a verse or two. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4. And if you just find verse 3, it's only a couple of verses. He says, Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. And then he quotes the Old Testament, So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Now, they're not the verses that we're actually going to be looking at tonight, but they're where I want to start off. Because <clears throat> what you've got in Hebrews is that uh, the writer is using various aspects of the Old Testament to illustrate aspects of following the Lord. Um, yeah, we've seen this before, haven't we? You know, like the, you know, the New Testament is the script, the Old Testament is the movie. You know, that in the Old Testament we have a historical allegory, you know, of the truth of what the Christian life is. And what he's doing here is that he's using the picture of Israel coming out of Egypt through the wilderness and going into the promised land, into Canaan. He's using that as a picture of kind of coming into the possessions that you've already been given by God. And you'll remember that when Israel came into Canaan, while they were still in the wilderness, God said to them, it's yours, I've given it to you. And every place that you put the sole of your feet, it shall be yours, and I'll drive out the enemy from before you. And what the Lord was saying is, look, the land of Canaan is yours, I've given it to you. And yet, nevertheless, you have to go in, and believing that I've done that, as you make your move in, 
you're going to possess the land and you're going to see me make a reality in your lives what is true in theory. The whole lot is yours, but you're going to get it bit by bit as you move forward. And so, therefore, there's this picture of realising <clears throat> that in the same way that Israel went into the Promised Land, they had to fight and conquer it, yes, yes, yes. But the work really had already been done by God, because God had already given it to them. And it's a picture that everything we need, we've already got in Jesus. And so it's a picture of kind of, you know, like the Promised Land, being a picture of realising that, that God has done everything. You know, growing in the Lord isn't a result of our efforts, what we do, our works. It's ultimately something that God has already done. The land of Canaan was already Israel's before they went into it. And all they had to do was realise, hey, God's given it to us. All we've got to do is go in and take it. So the point was, it was God who had done it all. And also here, while using this picture, the writer brings in about the creation of the world and the fact that on the seventh day, God rested. And so then he moves away from using the picture of the promised land, and then he goes back and he's using Genesis 1 now. And what he's saying is that in exactly the same way that after six days, God had created the universe. At the end of six days, he'd done it all. There was nothing else to do. And so he rested. And in exactly the same way, when Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished. When Jesus died on the cross, everything necessary for you and I to be saved from the penalty of sin, justified, everything we needed in order to be saved from the power of sin, sanctification, everything we need one day to be set free from the very presence of sin, being glorified, everything has already been done by Jesus on the cross. So when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he finished the work of our Christian lives in exactly the same way that at the end of day six in Genesis 1, God, as it were, could have said, right, it's finished. I've done creation. There's no more to do. You and I don't have to do any creating, do we? Because the universe, it's complete. God has done it. And so what we're seeing here is that <clears throat> the writers of the Hebrews, in order to bring out, illustrate an aspect of the Christian life, uses, amongst other things, Genesis chapter 1, and the story, I say story, the true story of creation in the first chapter of Genesis. And I've kind of mentioned the aspect of the Christian life that he wants to bring out from it. Now, what I'm going to do tonight is to bring out a different aspect, but using exactly the same thing. So the writer to the Hebrews, he uses Genesis 1 to illustrate something. Now, I'm going to do that as well, so turn to Genesis 1, but I'm going to illustrate a different aspect of the Christian life, but it's the one that uh, is, is, is kind of like, you know, where, where the Lord wants us to direct our attention tonight. So go to Genesis chapter 1, <coughs> and, uh, <coughs> and what we need tonight is a um, good dose of encouragement. That's what we need tonight. Um, you know, we need, I mean, obviously we always need encouragement. You know, I mean, the Lord never actually sets out to discourage us. But we particularly need different things at different times. There are times when we need challenging. Now, that will come on later to the study there in those <laughs> notes, all right? 
But uh, I don't know, maybe because of that study coming up eventually uh, tonight, we, we need encouragement. But there are times when we need challenge. There are times when we need like bucking up. There are times when we need to kick up the backside. Uh, you know, and, and there's a sense in which we need all these things all the time. But tonight, you know, encouragement. And uh, so what I'm going to do is, is I'm actually going to read um, through a most of... Um, uh, no, in fact, all of Genesis, chapter 1. Um, so bear with me, and I'll highlight... You thought... Do you think I said the whole of Genesis? No, the whole of Genesis, chapter 1. <coughs> and I'm just going to highlight certain bits and pieces, and then we'll draw them together afterwards, and you'll see exactly where, where I'm going. Because it's a bit like a suspense film tonight, as you see. Don't... Where's this going? We'll find out soon. Right. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. What, what lies behind there in the Hebrew is the idea of chaos, complete disorganisation, chaos, right? Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, what we've got here, all right, is God has created all the matter all the energy which together make up the universe. But of course everything is made of atoms, ultimately. Well, energy as well is a bit different. But the point is, it has to be put together in different ways. So say, say you've got kids with their Lego set, all right? Now imagine that they, they empty the Lego set in the middle of the floor and it's just absolute chaos, all right? But, but all those things fit together to make something and then you've got all that chaos in the middle of the room, but you fit the Lego together and something, the thing that it was supposed to make, happens, all right? And what we've got here is that God creates the basic stuff of creation, energy, all the atoms, blah, blah, blah. And so it's just a chaotic mess, all right? But what we're going to see is that now, over a period of six days, what he does is he starts putting it all together. He starts arranging it the way it should be. So we've got the full potential of creation here right at the beginning. The whole lot is created. All the matter, all the energy, it's there. But it's a mess, all right? So we're going to see God putting it together now. <clears throat> and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Uh, so we've got day one, and God sees it's good. And God said, this is verse 6 now, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so, God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And all, all that is day two. So, so, so there's day two, and you've got your second, it's good. Oh, it's got, you know, a little bit further now, hasn't it? A little less chaotic, a little bit more ordered. Verse 11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, 
seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. <coughs> and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, <clears throat> let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the grounds. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth... I've lost my place. All the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And what you've got here is you've got the six days of creation. And at the end of each day, God says, it's good. So you've got here a kind of um, a progression, a progression that begins with absolute chaos 
and bit by bit in various stages leads towards order and at each stage God says it's good and then on the sixth day he creates all the animals and the cattle and he says that's good and then he creates men and women and then he says that is very good so on the sixth day you get a good and a very good all right so it's six days of creation six stages of God creating out of chaos into order and at the end of each stage each day he says this is good and then on the very last day he gives it a good and then he tops it all off with mankind and then he says it's very good now <clears throat> using this as a picture to illustrate something in our Christian lives the thing that I want to home in on is that you've got here a progression that at the end of each stage is good and getting better now what we've seen is what God is at here he wants to create a universe and this universe is going to be ordered it's going to be logical it's going to be rational it's going to be very intricate but it's going to be a machine that works in certain ways so, you know, in the same way that if you wind your clock up, you know that it will keep going round and a day is 24 hours and it always has been and it always will be and two and two equals four, it always has done and it always will do. Can you see, that is the kind of order in the universe that God wanted and that was what he was aiming to do. And yet, when he starts out, he begins working with absolute chaos. And that is what he starts to work with, absolute chaos. And the picture that I want to get across, or the thing that I want this to illustrate, is that the day that you and I were born again, we received a new nature. Now, on the first day of creation, God created everything that was going to be needed to make the universe. The whole potential of the completed thing was there at the beginning but it was in chaos alright in exactly the same way the day that you became a Christian the day that you were born again you became a new creature in Corinthians Paul says if any man is in Christ he is a new creation behold the new has come the old has passed away and the microsecond that you came to the Lord and were born again, you received a new nature which is created in the exact likeness of God himself. A nature that is holy and righteous and just. And a nature that is actually far stronger than the sinful nature that God wants to set us free from. Now, there's the truth of the matter. In the same way that on day one in creation, everything, all the, all the matter and energy needed to, you know, to, to eventually become the universe was there. But it was a chaotic mess. And exactly the same way, the moment that you became a Christian, the new nature was there. You began a new life in Jesus. But it, it's a mess. It's in absolute chaos. It's completely unformed 
in exactly the same way that the universe at the beginning of day one, though everything had been put there, everything had been brought into being, nevertheless it was completely disorganised and chaotic. It was, if you like, a potential, all right? But an awful lot of work was needed in order to make that potential reality. Now, what we've got to realise from this is that all of us are at different stages in the process of God creating our Christian lives. Each one of us are at a different place, if you like, in God's six days of our Christian lives. And the point is that what we've got to realise is that at the end of day two, the universe, there was still an awful lot of chaos in it. There was an awful lot of work still to be done. There was a long way to go before the potential was fully made reality. And yet the thing was that God didn't look at what was yet to do. He looked at what had already been accomplished and he said, this is good. So at the end of day one, basically all you had was light. I mean, there wasn't a great, there wasn't any great, you know, sort of like, oh, you know, it's you know, the universe is really taking shape now. Because it wasn't. At the end of day one, it, it, it was still the basic chaos plus light. But God said, it's good. It's good. And then he went on to do the next bit of work. And he said, that's good. And then he went on to do the next bit of work. And he said, that's good. And eventually he got to the end and it was all complete. And then he said, that's very good. Now, for you and I, we start at day one. We're born again. Jesus comes into our lives. We receive the new nature. We are in utter chaos. Yeah, the joy of the Lord, that's great. We know Jesus, we're saved, we're going to heaven, that's fantastic. But when it comes to hey, well let's let's just look at let's just look for the image of Jesus in you. Ah, where is it? Is he? Because you're sinning all over the place. I mean, you know, yeah, you're full of the joy of the Lord, you love Jesus, and that is all all absolutely genuine. But the point is it's still absolute chaos, alright? But the thing is that all the way through, remember, God was saying, what has been done so far is good. He at no point said, but it's bad that it hasn't been completed yet. Completing the work was a foregone conclusion simply because he'd begun the work. And what God begins, he always finishes. So, you and I, we get born again and we're in utter chaos. We're the very beginning of day one of creation. And where's it all leading up to? Well, it's leading up to the fact that one day we're going to be glorified and we're going to be exactly like Jesus. I mean, you and I are going to be glorified. We are going to be absolutely sinless because of what Jesus has done. A complete free gift, certainly not down to our efforts, not because of our goodness, there's no goodness in us, but as, as the, 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 the consummation of the free gift that Jesus has given us of eternal life, one day we are going to be absolutely holy and spotless 
just like he is. We're going to share his glory. And that is right at the end of the six days of creation, when God, as it were, created mankind, and said, that is very good. But the thing is, in between are these six days of creation. So, we've all entered into the six days, we're born again, and all of us, obviously, we haven't, you know, for the simple reason we're still alive down here, we haven't reached the end yet, we're not glorified. So, in the meantime, we're moving through our six days of God creating a sanctified Christian life in each one of us. And here is the point that is so encouraging because this shows us the mentality that the Lord has, the way in which he relates to us when he looks on us. And it's quite simply this. Wherever you've come, however far the work of creation, as it were, has progressed in you, whether you're on day five and really doing well and maturing in the Lord, or whether you're stuck on day two and seeming to make no progress at all, the point is that God looks on and he says the extent to which you've come so far, the fact that you've got to where you are now, forget about how advanced or even retarded spiritually you may feel you are. The point is, wherever you are in your Christian life now, God looks on and he says, it is good that you've come that far. Now, obviously, God kept going with his work of creation. At no point did he think, oh, well, I'll leave it there because that's good enough. No, it wasn't good enough until it was finished. But the point is, whenever he looked at the uncompleted work, he said, it's good that it's come this far. He never said, but it's bad that there's still further to go. And this is the point. When you and I look at our own lives, when we examine ourselves, We've got to make sure that we're sharing that mentality of the Lord. And what we've got to do is we've got to say, thank you, Lord, it is good that you've done so much in me. But what we mustn't then do is to look at everything that God has yet to do, because there's still a heck of a lot of chaos in our lives, isn't there? The chaos of sin is still there, in the same way that at each step of the way, although a little bit, another step was taken and the chaos became formed into something, nevertheless, day one, day two, there was a lot of chaos left, all right? But what we've got to make sure that we're doing isn't looking at the chaos that is still to be ordered in our lives and to get all depressed and down about that. With the Lord, we've got to say, well, it's good what you have done in me so far, and Lord, I thank you that you're going to go on and you're going to finish the rest. Now, there's something very interesting here. Let's read verse 1 and 2 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, it all came into being there and then, but it was chaos, all right? You're born again, but, but there's no holiness in you. All the potential is there, but it's not exactly coming through, all right? Now, the earth was formless and empty, chaos, Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, you may, well, not you may, you certainly should feel that you look at certain areas of your life and chaos and darkness is what's there. Far from the order and the light of holiness, 
There are areas of your life and my life where there is yet chaos and darkness, all right? But it says here, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, what's interesting, this phrase in the Hebrew, the hovering over the waters, I think is better translated, rather than hovering, it's better translated brooding. And it's the picture of a mother bird fluttering around her nest with the eggs in it. That is the picture. You know, we talk about broody hens, don't we? You know, sort of like, you know, sometimes... You know, sort of like, well, it's not only women, men as well. They go broody, don't they? they think, oh, it's like another child or something, all right? And that is the picture. A bird flapping around, guarding everything, organising everything, to the end of bringing into being this new life that is there in front of her. Now, that is the picture, all right? Now, in exactly the same way, all the time, all right, there, there, where there's chaos in our lives, there's sin. But all the time, the Holy Spirit is brooding over us. In exactly the same way that he brooded over this chaos of, of just naked matter and energy in the beginning of the creation. And he's brooding over us. And he's doing that because he is the one who is going to bring forth that life that has been put into us. And that life is the very life of Jesus. We've been born again by the Holy Spirit. And it's God himself who is working to bring out that life that he's put in us. Now the point is this, yeah, we can look at how far we've yet got to go. And it's good that we do. It's good that we're aware of how far we've still got to go, alright? That's good, because that keeps us you know, that, that keeps us in our place, you know, specks of dust with attitude problems, all right? You know, I, I mean, sort of this talk, I mean, you know, any Christian who thinks, oh, well, I've arrived and they've got their feet up, this talk isn't for them. It's not actually encouragement they need. They need the challenge of, of great conviction of sin. But I'm talking to people here who know their condition, same as I do. It's encouragement we need. And the point is, it's good that we're aware just how much more there is to be done in our lives, how much sin yet contaminates us. But the point is, we've got to be thrilled and encouraged and pleased and be able to say, well, look, it is good that I've come this far and I'm not worried about the future because God, who brought me this far, who managed to create on day one, two and three, is quite capable of doing day four, five and six. It is absolutely no problem. Go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, and something that Paul writes to the Christians in Philippi, and Philippians chapter 1, and uh, verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the last day until now. Being confident of this. And this word, confident, in the Greek, it is confidence, it's, it's, it's absolute certainty, alright? So Paul is saying, of this I am certain. And it's that he who began a good work in you, well, what's that, you were born again. God started 
creating you, all right? He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So can you see, Paul is saying there, how do I know that God is going to complete his work in you? Well, I know he's going to complete it because I know that he's begun it. Can you see? God never begins something that he can't finish because he's infinite. That is a problem that only finite creatures come up against when you start something and realise you can't finish it. Well, if our Christian life depended on us, that is, it would never get finished. But God finishes everything he starts. And Paul writes to these Christians and he says, God has begun that work in you and he will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, why until the day of Christ Jesus? Because then it will be complete, then we'll be glorified. Then there'll be nothing more for God to do. The, you know, that, that act of creation in our lives will be absolutely fulfilled and complete. So here is Paul saying, you'll get there. This work will be finished in you. There's no question of that at all. But what we've got to make sure that we're doing is resisting any temptation, and, and Satan loves to play around with us like this, any temptation at just getting despondent, depressed, or despairing because of the work that is yet left to do in us, all right? Rather, let's realise that, that God is looking at us and he's saying, it is good that we've come as far as we have. It is good that I've kind of, um, you know, I've, I've, I've sorted out two days worth of chaos in your life. Now, there's still four days of chaos left, I'm afraid you're still more sinful than you are holy, but it's good, it is good that we've come this far. Can you see? It's a positive outlook. Now, I'm not in any way at all saying here that because of this, it doesn't matter all the chaos and the sin left in our lives. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, well, let's just carry on sinning and it doesn't matter because we can just be glad for how far God has worked in us so far. I'm not saying that. That would be wrong. But what I am saying is that rather than, than getting screwed up about everything we see in our lives that are still wrong, Let's rather be encouraged and be thankful for what God has put right so far. Knowing that because he's put that much right, he will keep working in us and he will bring us through to the end. Um, go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians in chapter 3. Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 and Paul says and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness now that's an ongoing thing being transformed he's not saying we have been transformed all right, we've certainly got the new nature, we're certainly new creatures. It's certainly true that the new has come and the old has passed away. But Paul says we are being transformed into his likeness. This is an ongoing progressive thing. And he says, with ever-increasing glory. Now, um, 
A better way of translating that, I don't know why I stick with the NIV, I'm always telling you of a better way it could have translated it, but nevertheless that's the way it is, is that, that, that other translations put it that we're being changed or transformed from one degree of glory into another. That's what's there in the Greek. Not, not just, ev well, ever-increasing glory, I guess that's the same thing. But if you translate it, if you bring out the aspect, of, you know, in the Greek, that it's going from one degree of glory to another, then that is our tie-in with Genesis chapter 1. Because the point is that though there yet remain degrees of glory for us to come into, it doesn't change the fact that we have come into certain degrees of glory. Now, can you see the difference? If you just look at everything that is still wrong in your life, you're really, you know, you're going to be thinking that you're yet to come into any glory. Whereas the truth of the matter is that that which is still wrong in your life, yeah, they're the degrees of glory that the Lord has yet to bring you into. But nevertheless, up till now, you have already come into various degrees of glory. It might not look like that to you, it might not feel it, but that is the truth. In the Christian life, we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. And then he goes on to say, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, this is one of the verses that establishes that the Holy Spirit is God, alright? Uh, you know, but we've already seen the Spirit brooding over the face of the waters, and here he is. The broody hen, Holy Spirit, all right, working away, fluttering around our lives, ensuring that that new life that we have in Jesus is being brought about into our lives. And each step of the way, each little bit that we grow, is another degree of glory. So are you seeing the point here? Again, the picture, we get born again, we start the Christian life, we're just like Genesis 1 verse 1. God creates the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, the whole thing is a mess. It's absolute chaos. But then he keeps fitting it all together, putting it all together step by step until you get the end product, which is very good, all right? And that's going to be when we're in glory. But the point is, all the different stages of God's work in order to bring about this creation, each separate stage, God looked back and he said, it's good. It's good. That's the mentality that we've got to get. All right. Remember, Jesus said, all, all, all you that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Now, for many Christians, if they're weary and heavy laden, all right, why is it they're weary and heavy laden? It's despair about their Christian lives. It's condemnation. It's a constant, ah, oh, you know, I'm just no good. Now, the truth is, no, you're not. But the gospel is that he has made us worthy by the blood of Jesus. So of ourselves, no, we're not good enough, but we have been made worthy through the death of Jesus. And Jesus said, look, my yoke is, is, is light. My, my burden is easy. And it's for this reason that if we could see ourselves from God's point of view, which we can do by believing what the Word of God says, then we would realize that the Lord looks down on us and he is thrilled where we've come. He is thrilled at what he's been able to do in us thus far. However much we've grown, he's pleased and he thinks it's good, all right? 
Now, obviously, there's all the work yet to be done in us. There's all the growing that we've yet got to do, and God's on to that. He's going to do that. He's begun the work in us. He'll complete the work in us. But what we've got to do is to start to realise that the Lord is just thrilled with where we've come. Now then, we're not going to use this as an excuse to kind of put our feet up and stagnate. You know, to say, oh, well, if God's thrilled with where I am now, well, that's great, I'll just stay here for a while, God's thrilled with me. No, the moment you do that, God will still be thrilled with where you've come, but he'll have to start, you know, doing a little bit of the old chastisement to get you moving again, all right? Because the thing was, as soon as God finished the work he wanted to do on day one, he, he moved on and started the work on day, day two. You'll notice that from day one to day six, there weren't a couple of days in the middle where he didn't do anything. He kept going until it was done. There were no pauses. There was no, oh, well, I mean, I'll have a day now where I don't do anything. And that's why you and I, we, we can't from this get so encouraged about what God has done in us so far that we kind of put our feet up and say, oh, well, let's, let's just stay here for a while. Because no, God, God doesn't have any, you know, sort of rest days, you know, to that extent. Wherever he's brought us thus far, he's now moving on to take us a bit further. But the point is that we've got to make sure that, if you like, our relationship to our past, i.e. where we've come, that as we look back, we're encouraged. We say, thank you, Lord, that you've brought me this far. So in the here and now, we're encouraged. We're in faith. We're not, uh, we're not down. We're not in despair all the time. And then... In that condition, we can look ahead to a future where we can be absolutely assured that the Lord is working more and more. If you go back to Philippians again, and this time find chapter, chapter 3. And we saw in Philippians verse 1 when Paul was saying to them, you know, look, I know that God's begun a work in you and he's, he's going to finish it. You know, so don't worry, be encouraged, he's going to do it. Now, if we ask the question, did Paul want them therefore to kind of put their feet up and, and slack off? No, not at all. Because look what he says here in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. So there's Paul saying, I'm not at day six yet. No way. I'm, I'm still on my way. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying there. He's saying, I'm encouraged at what God has done in me so far. That's brilliant. He has brought me to this place, and he's done it. And I'm not fed up, I'm not depressed, anything like that. But nevertheless, I've put all that behind me, day one, two, and three, because I'm going to press on now. You know, day four, five, and six is yet to come for me. And so he's pressing on. He's reaching out for the work that God has yet to do in him, the chaos in his life that still remains that God needs to bring into order, the sin in his life that is still there that God wants to bring into holiness and righteousness, all right? So, so 
Paul is, is in regards to the past. He says, it's brilliant how far God has brought me, but I'm not going to rest on my laurels. I'm encouraged, and for that reason I'm going to press on, because God has got even more degrees of glory that he wants to transform me into. And so that's important. Think how easy it is to end up just in despair, condemned. This overwhelm, you know, just like buried under what you know of all the sin in your life that hasn't been dealt with yet. That's very easy to, to be snowed under by that. But we've got to know that that isn't what God wants. That is Satan. That is condemnation. You know, all this stuff about, you know, sort of, oh, you know, God, you know, sort of God, God must be fed up. Well, sure, he is fed up with us sometimes. You can be fed up with your kids, but you don't stop loving them, do you? That's the point. You know, and, and, and sort of like getting out of fellowship because we end up condemned and in despair and, and stuff like that. You know, we've got to bring that to an end. When the Lord looks down on us, he's not a fault finder. He's not like, you know, one of these parents who's just watching for his kids to make a mistake so he can sort them out. He's not like that at all. He might see us taking three steps and then stumble on the fourth. Well, he's thrilled. He loves that. He loves that. You know, he might think, well, they should be on to four or five steps by now, but nevertheless, I love it when they try. You see, that is the attitude that God's got towards us. And so, therefore, we need to be encouraged. And anything of despair, anything of condemnation, to put out of our heads completely and 100%. It is not of the Lord in any way at all. No matter where you've come in your Christian life so far, whether for your years you're doing very well or doing very badly, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, wherever the Lord has brought you, whatever day of creation you're at, God says, it's good. It's good. Be encouraged. It's great. He loves it. He looks at what has been accomplished and he says it's good. Now, obviously, he's aware of what still needs to be accomplished, and he will do that. He's begun a good work in us, and he will bring it to completion. And we've got to make sure that we're fully cooperative with him for everything that he's yet to do in us. But nevertheless, when he looks at us, he doesn't see everything that is still wrong with us. He sees everything that he's managed to put right. He doesn't see the chaos that still remains. He sees the form and the light that he's been able to bring out of the total chaos that was there at the moment. So the point is, when you were born again, the life of Jesus, the very nature of Jesus, was given to you as a free gift. All right? And that potential is there completely, in the same way that the matter and, and energy of the universe was there at the beginning of day one. Over time, bit by bit, progressively, systematically, he's bringing that nature, that life of Jesus out into every area of our lives. But it is a progressive thing. It is something that goes on over a long period of time. So rather, I've often used the picture, haven't I, of, you know, sort of like in our, uh, you know, our lives are like a big house and there are loads and loads of rooms in them. And, and, and e each room is absolutely filthy and it needs completely cleaning out completely you know redoing again all right 
And basically, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he's, he's going round each door and he's knocking on the door and he says, I want to come into this room now. And systematically, over the rest of our lives, he will go through all the doors. And it's up to him what order he takes it. It's completely, you know, up to him. One might think, well, I think so-and-so, God should do this in their lives now. But then that's us trying to put God's timetable on someone else. Only God knows the timetable he's got for each one of us. But that's the picture. And the thing is that when the Holy Spirit is quite like he comes out of one room and the work is done, it's like, it's brilliant, I've cleaned out another room. And he, you know, he, he'll be rubbing his hands with glee, thrilled with you, even though he's looking at another room that he knows is going to be absolutely stinking, absolutely filthy. And he moves in there to clean that room up. But he moves in there, thrilled, that he's moving in there, having come out of a room that he's cleaned up. And that is how the Lord looks on at us. Not wanting to stamp us into the ground, not wanting to just, oh, how can I get in there and discipline them for this sin and that sin. You see what I mean? He'll discipline us if we need it. Of course he will. Of course he will. But the point is, we're his children. He is thrilled with where we've come. He's not looking all the time with, you know, sort of like, you know, great discontent of all the things that are still wrong in our lives. He's got all them under control. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He is simply thrilled at what he's been able to do in us so far. So, let's start looking at ourselves in that way. Let's start looking at our lives and being encouraged, being pleased. You know, sort of like, you know, not giving in to this kind of, you know, the, the, the kind, like the despair, the, the heaviness, the all that kind of thing, you know, like tearing ourselves apart all the time. Let's get out of that. That's not the way the Lord works. That, that's not the way he looks at us. And we've got to make sure that we don't look at ourselves like that. And also, we've got to make sure we don't look at each other like that either. You see what I mean? Let's be thrilled with where each other has come. Yeah, we're aware of things that need putting right. Of course we are. In my life, you know, the whole thing. But let's, let's, yeah, things that need to be put right, the work that's yet to be done, all that is there, yeah, of course it is. But let's, let's be thrilled. I ought to be thrilled in what God has done in you already, rather than, than, than merely, oh, when, when are they going to sort that out? That hasn't been put right yet. You see what I mean? That's how we ought to relate to each other, to be thrilled. I've got to be pleased with what God has done in you so far. And I mustn't let what he hasn't done in you get up my nose. You see what I mean? You know, I mean, sort of, you know, this is my burden for your further sanctification, brother. You know, I mean, that, that's terrible. You know, we've got to love and accept each other just the way we are. You know, not saying it's all right to carry on in sin or anything like that at all, but are you getting the point? And God saw that it was good. And where you've come from so far, where you are is good. It's not bad that you've got to go further. It's good that the Lord's brought you as far as he has. And the days of creation that have yet to happen in your life, they will, God will do it, he started it off, and he's going to finish it. So therefore the Holy Spirit is brooding over you, brooding over your waters, like, 
And he's all the time bringing forth this new life that you received when you were born again and when you came to Jesus. So, be encouraged. God has begun a good work in you. You see, it's good. And he's going to finish that good work in you. So, the beginning is good and the ending is good. So what does that make the in-between? See? It was good the day I became a Christian. It's going to be very good the day I'm glorified. In the meantime, I'm being sanctified. So regardless of how far I've come, what is it? It started off as good, it's going to end as very good. So what is it now? Well, it's at least good, but it's good in a bit. It's good, then very good, so at the moment it's good in a bit. You see? Good, very good, and the bit in the middle is good in a bit. It's not bad, it's good. So we've got to be encouraged. God will take care of the sin that yet remains in our lives. So let's take that into ourselves and be encouraged. It is good. Where we are as a fellowship, sometimes we think, well, you know, what a motley crew we are. You know, and we can see all the areas, we know what the Bible teaches, and, you know, we, we feel in some areas, you know, like, you know, the, you know, in the Bible, the teaching about what it is to be a church. And, and there are whole areas that the Bible teaches about church life, and we can sometimes look at ourselves and think, crikey, that area's hardly even started amongst us. Well, right, okay, let's, let's, let's press on towards that goal. But let's not, you know, sort of like do it in some negative or despairing way. But let's realise here, but isn't it great what God has done in us so far as a church? And then with, with that lightness in our step, that, that little like skipping into the future, you know, sort of like rejoicing in God's grace, where we are as a church so far is good. And I get all the things that aren't happening yet, all right, that God yet wants to do, well, that's going to be even better as he moves us on. But, but let's, let's never get all, oh, there's still this wrong with the church, oh, there's still that wrong, right? It's not, 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 not be like that. Yeah, there are things that are still wrong, and the Lord will put them right. But it is good that he's done what he's done in us so far. So, in regards to our own lives individually, as we look at ourselves, in regards to other people's lives as we look at them, and looking at, you know, at our life corporately as a church, let's realise this principle and be encouraged. Uh, it'll be make us far less negative, far more positive in the right way, and, and, and we'll grow in faith, because that's what it is. That's what it is. I mean, what does faith say at the end of day two of creation? It says that day six of creation is inevitable. You see what I mean? So, I can see what God has done thus far in me, and I can say, Praise the Lord, that's good. And from that vantage point, I can look at what he hasn't done in me so far, and from the vantage point of faith, I can say, but it's inevitable that he's going to do it. He's done this, day one to three, or whatever, so day four to six will naturally follow. And it puts you in that position of expectancy that God is going to keep working in you and keep delivering you from the power of sin in your life, and whatever else it is. Gifts of the Spirit, whatever application you want to make onto it, it puts us into that encouraging position of faith, seeing that God is saying all the time, it's good, it's good, it's good. 
And that little voice that's saying, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad, and it makes you depressed. And you end up, I'll tell you where you end up, you end up obsessed with yourself, because that's what it is, basically. Self-obsession, all right? You realise, hey, that, that's Satan. That's, that's Satan, I'm being taken in here. That's not holiness. Thinking, thinking about my sin all the time, that's not holiness. Holiness is thinking about Jesus all the time. When you think about Jesus, forget about yourself, keep your eyes on Jesus, well, then he'll be taking care of our sinfulness. But if we end up all the time looking at ourselves, tearing ourselves apart, mm -mm, that's negative, that's unbelief. So, wherever you are tonight, it's official, it's good. Thank <laughs> you.